This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. It's young Van Pugh, baby. About to get right into quick takes. I'm siced. I'm siced because John Runyon's daughter liked my tweet hyping up her dad going into the Eagles Hall of Fame. Of course I was pumped. I posted a gif, was like, let's go. I was hyped. I loved it. I didn't even know. I didn't know nothing about his personal life. I didn't know nothing about John Runyon's personal life. I just know that he was a tackle for the Eagles back when McNabb and T.O. was there. And that's basically when I became a fan. So, of course, I love John Runyon. And I didn't even know he had a daughter that plays college basketball for Villanova. That is fire. I love it. I'm psyched. I'm pumped. You already know. Oh, man. Listen, the Phillies, you've been hit by, you've been hit by, you've been hit by a smooth criminal. Trey Turner with the greatest slide ever. Well, one of the greatest slides ever. He man, he rounded, he rounded third base. Of course he got there in record speed because, you know, that's what he does. He fast. He quick. He got a million stolen bases. He got a bunch of cycles because he fast. He slid the home plate, then got up and did like a did like a turn, did like a half turn when the footwork was so nice with it. It was like it was like a half Jabberwocky, half Michael Jackson type move. I loved it. <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, oh man, he break dancing. I was like, this guy's a street dancer. <laughs> this man is half Jabberwocky, half Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's over. Hey, that's that's gonna be his next career. That's gonna be his next career. He's gonna be a background dancer for somebody, and I'm gonna love it. <laughs> man, Trey Turner killed him. It's just sad he's not with the Nationals anymore. He's doing it for the Dodgers. And it's just the rich get richer. Pretty much. Uh DC United last Sunday I went to the game and it was uh DC United versus Montreal CF. And you know, I, I loved it. I loved it. It was a lot of people. Bunch of people weren't wearing masks, I'm not going to lie. But it was fun. It was it was fun, man. Um I was a little mad though because we went down 1-0 on a goal I've never seen before. Like I'm like, "Wait a minute. That that really just happened." And we got our backup goalie in the game. And it was it was a goal like the guy looked like he was crossing it. It looked like he was cross passing it, but yet it curved in and went into the goal. I'm like, what? How? And you know what? That same guy almost scored again. He had a wide open goal, but he missed. He tripped and he and he missed, and it it hit the side netting, which. 
honestly, his first goal should have hit the side netting, but somehow, some way, it gets over our goalie's hand. I'm not going to lie, man. Early in the game, DC United had control, and they were dominating. They just couldn't get the ball in the goal. They just couldn't get it in there. But then after Montreal scored, the momentum changed. It's like the Montreal was the aggressor, and they almost scored that second goal. They should have. But then, you know, they started to get it together. Uh, Parades, I think that's how you say his name, number 30, he really was being aggressive. He was doing great. Um, I think he, he scored the first goal. No, he didn't. Number 14 did. I think he's a midfielder. I forgot his name. I think it's uh Nahar. I think that's his name. He had a he had a great header header to tie the game. I absolutely loved it. Um then in the second half, Kamara got benefited from a turnover from their defenders and he hit a beautiful curved shot into the goal. And made it 2-1, and we just held on. We held on. We we were firmly in control after that. So, I, hey, these games are cool and all. Going to these live sporting events are cool, but it's better when you win. And we won, popped them fireworks and everything. So, um, not bad. You know, I'm, I'm impressed. It looks like DC United got a decent team. You know, they, they got a new coach. And they got some people I've never heard of. They they still got um they still got Paul Ariola who was on the Gold Cup winning US team. So I'm cool with it. And I'm looking at the standings now and DC is in sixth. And if the playoffs started today, they will be in. So they have 27 points. They're in six. They're only three points out of third place. They're only four points out of second place. But New England, New England's running away with it. They got they got 43 points. Like good look. matter of fact, bro, they're leading the supporting shield. They they're leading the supporter shield by six points. Wow. I've never watched them play. I have not watched them play yet. In fact, bro, like, when is the next time DC United played them? Because I already know. I know DC United lost to them already. But when do they play them again? Man. Whatever, man. All I know is, oh, see? Oh, speaking of the devil, we play them on the 18th. We play them coming up. That's a big test for our DC United squad uh it's not gonna be easy is at their place but they come to us on october 20th i will consider going to that game because that's gonna be a big one that's a big one it's on a wednesday too um i'm considering going to that game i just might especially if they keep dominating like this all right jenny taff jenny taff uh kind of check skip <laughs> If you saw my Instagram, I made a bar about that. But uh, Skip said something about McCarthy's weight. And Jenny didn't like it. So she took offense to that. She was like, you can't be an effective coach because of your weight. 
Um, Skip just kept saying it's a perfect personal preference. He rather his coach be in shape. I think, man, I don't think it really matters. To be honest, man, it's 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 dumb because Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are definitely not in shape. I don't think they work out at all, and they're the two best coaches in the league. Not everyone could be Matt Lafleur and Nick Sirianni and. <laughs> Uh, Shanahan, dude from the Rams. See, I, these these names escape me while I'm doing the show. Like that's just great. Not everyone can be those guys. Like them guys are fit. Them guys look like models. Pause or Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that's cool and all, but none of them has a Super Bowl. I'm not even getting. It. None of them have a Super Bowl as a head coach. I'm not even getting So it doesn't really matter. It's just, I think Skip's just frustrated. You know, any little thing that happens with the Cowboys, he gets frustrated because he's a fan. He's passionate. That's why he's gotten so far because he's passionate about what he does and his teams. But, yeah, yeah, Jenny got him on that, and she was trending for the for the entire day. And, you know, Holly Rowe even commented on it. Ho- Holly Rowe commented on it. Jamel Hill, of course, commented on it because uh, her best friend, Curry Champion, was in that exact same position. And Curry Champion kept her mouth shut, usually. So, yeah. So, she knows. <laughs> it's just, you know, people just been waiting. People just be waiting for the right opportunity to say some stuff about Skip and Shannon. Because they don't really like that show, and Skip is really... Po- polarizing so it's he's an easy target but yeah i applaud jenny for standing up for herself and what she believed in i mean she she cool man and she fine well that doesn't even need to be said but seriously but yeah shout out to her for sure uh summer league is going on now i haven't really watched the wizards i know Corey kisbert is playing i feel like i should watch it because of Corey kisbert I need to see what he is about. Well, I think we lost. We lost both. I definitely lost the first one. We definitely lost the first um, summer league game. Definitely did. Uh, Davion Mitchell. I should have watched that game. Davion Mitchell versus Kisper. I think, you know, the highlights on YouTube. I'm going to check it out. And I'm going to tell you what I think about it. Um, but for the most part, when it comes to summer league, watched a lot of Jalen Green, watched a lot of, uh, Cunningham, K Cunningham. Those are the top two picks in the draft. Watched a lot of them, watched a little bit of Evan Mobley. Listen, the stars are showing out. And I saw Brandon Knight on the Nets. Like, what? He's still around? It's the same reaction I had when I saw Jared Jack in the G League. I'm like, these guys are still hooping. They not gone yet. They still grinding. You know, props to them. Props to Brandon Knight. I hope that he finds a spot on the Nets. He would be another great veteran presence for them. On a veteran-laden team, that would be nice if he can, you know, not only stick on the nets, but actually get in the rotation. That would be dope. 
But the stars are shining. All the draft picks are doing good. I haven't seen any of them that are really doing bad. And Luca Garza is really making a name for himself. Uh, he was really good in college, but he just slipped to the second round. I don't know why. Maybe it's because, well, he is 7-1 and can shoot. It's got to be because he's slow and maybe not the best defender. I, I don't know what it is, but he's he's he came out of the second round. And it looks like he's going to be a decent player for the Pistons. I don't know how much he's going to play, but it's the Pistons. If he, can, if he can crack the rotation in any team, that is the team. People are already trying to compare him to Bill Lambert. I can see it. I can see the I can see the comparisons. And it's great that he's from the DMV. Another one. We just got tons of talent here. And we got one of, obviously, the greatest player to come from here was Kevin Durant. No question. Like, there's no one even close. Okay, the old heads might say Elgin Baylor, but I just don't I just don't think so, man. I maybe I need to look at it. Maybe maybe you say Austin Carr. It it's gotta be Kevin Durant. He's just incredible. And there's no telling what he could be, what he could have been if he didn't get hurt. Just saying. And, well, and honestly, his legacy is still growing. Another thing about the summer league I noticed is the refs. So the refs, it's a lot of female refs. Every game I've seen except maybe one, you got female refs, and some of them have two. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was looking at tweets about it, and I think they've always done this. I've just noticed now. It's just every time I see this, I'm like, you know what? This makes sense. Because there's, like, more women, you know, entering these these leagues every year. I mean, there's a lot of women refereeing basketball. I'm not even kidding. Like, eat from in every level, there's a ton of them. Because I think a ton of them play basketball. I You know, always I say there's not as many of them doing football. But then there's a ton of them doing football. Because you had a ton of, you had a lot of them in the XFL. You got some trying to crack the NFL. You got some in college. You got some in my my league. There's a, there's a good five to ten women in my organization, my high school organization. So you know there are women that that ref and want to ref, and they're good. They're good. So I you gotta give them their respect. Although some some of the calls these refs be making just. I'm like, come on. I saw a really bad travel that wasn't called. I'm like, come on. Come on, guys. But props to them. Anybody that makes it to the NBA level, I got a lot of respect for. Because roughing basketball is tough. It's really fast, really quick. And you can really miss things easily because it just moves so fast. And the fans and the coaches, they, they move fast too, man. So they catch this stuff instantly. So you really got to... Be on your grind. And I heard from uh NBA rough scout that used to uh that worked with my board, uh eyeball board twelve. He worked with us. I think he's an interpreter or something. Uh he said, you know, these refs watch film, they gotta stay in shape. It's it's a lot of work. It's a full time job, it's a lot of work. I guess when you think about it, you you give them a little bit more respect. 
as referees. But then when I think about it, I kind of want to hold them to a higher standard because they put in so much work. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about NBA refs. I really do. I Maybe I should, you know, continue to hold them to a high standard because you're the best of the best. You put in the most work. So it, you you getting a call wrong, a simple call wrong, I know you're human and all. I know they're human. I know it's the nature of the game. It's basketball in general. Basketball is an imperfect game, and it, and it's run by humans who are imperfect. But still, man, I hold them to a very high standard because they put in a lot of work. But it's it's good. So basically what I'm trying to say is it's good to see all those female refs, and of course most of them are hot because you got to be in great physical condition to ref at that level um and also it's just i guess i you know i got respect for him from being that going that far into basketball because it's not easy oh and one last thing renee montgomery uh i guess minority owner of the dream or maybe she's a majority owner but she used to play for them she played for Connecticut. She's a rising star in sports media. She was on, she was announcing some of those games with Beth Mowens and some of the other folks that I can't name. And she was pretty good. And sometimes she was wilding out. Sometimes she was doing a lot. I was like, all right, it's not that serious. But I love her energy. I love her passion. And I think she can definitely announce more games. But it's very polarizing, though. She's very polarizing on the mic. Some people really like her from what I've seen on Twitter. Some people really like her, and some people can't stand her because she's just just being extra. <laughs> Shout out to her, man. She's just uh, she's having a heck of a last two years in sports media, and she's just going to keep doing more and more. And I'm happy for her, you know. She's going to just keep rising to the top. Hey, the only I think the only person that can stop her is her. It's just one of them things. <laughs> that was an actual quick take. The rest weren't. <laughs> oh, man. I got to talk about the Washington Nationals. Trash. But I should have expected this. When they traded damn near the whole team. They traded damn near everybody. What we got in return... A bunch of prospects that we hope to be good in the future. Some are good now, like Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray. JoJo. The Nationals version of JoJo. Joe Cooking in baseball. Hey, shout, shout out to my little cousin on Instagram again. Seriously, though, he's good. He's been good. We just called up Lane Thompson literally today. And he got a hit. And then he got picked off. Of course. Because, of course, because it's, it's the Nationals and we're rebuilding. So it's going to be a lot of losses. They just lost it again today. And this time, the game was closer. They only lost by one. I, You know, I thought when they went down 3-0, I thought they weren't going to come back. I thought they were going to get killed. No, they stayed in it. They stayed in it. And, you know what I'm saying, they had a good chance to win. But they choked. They choked. 
And so that is 13 losses in 14 games. But here's why, though. I mean, come on. We're starting Yadier, Yadier Hernandez. He's a borderline AAA player. Garcia was literally AAA before all these trades and stuff happened. Carter Keyboom was literally AAA before the Stalin Castro thing happened. Tres Barrera, AAA. Um, Josiah Gray is barely a major leaguer, even though he's killing it. But, I mean, he even he gave up two home runs or two runs on Friday. But he's barely a major leaguer. Escobar is barely a major leaguer. Parr is on the bench. Wasn't even in the league. He's barely a major leaguer. I love the baby shark thing, and I do my go-go version of the baby shark. But he's barely a major leaguer. Andrew Stevenson's barely a major leaguer. And I think he's hurt. I haven't seen him. Victor Robles is struggling. We already sent Wander Swirl to the minor leagues. And I mean, <laughs> every time we get a lead, we lose it because of our bullpen. Which, oh, we got rid of some of those guys too. But I guess this is just part of the rebuild. It's frustrating because I'm competitive and really want my team to win. But at the end of the day, in the short term, it's annoying, it's frustrating, and it makes me not want to go to the games. I'm going to the game on Wednesday. I I just went to the game yesterday on Saturday. And we lost 12-2. Now, I was looking at my phone, looking at the weather, because it's supposed to be a storm. We just missed it. We got to play the whole game. Unfortunately, because you know what? Lost 12 to 2. Um, We were doing okay at first. It was a 0-0 game through four innings. And then all of a sudden, like, you can't let Albies hit a home run. He's one of the best players. You can't let him hit a home run through no circumstances. You can't let him hit a home run. You can't let Freddie Freeman get a hit, especially in a full count. You can't let Dansby Swanson hit two home runs. What are we doing? We died. 10-2. to two. At least Victor Robles did do something towards the end. It's just a shame. Juan Soto almost hit another home run, but it bounced off the wall, and he got like a double out of it. Josh Bell got himself a hit. Like them guys, you can count on them guys. The rest of them, no. And it is really a shame. It is really a shame. Because I really want to root for this team. But they trash. And they're going through growing pain. The saving grace is all these guys are young and getting experience. So a few years from now, if we still have the same core of Garcia and uh, Soto... Uh, and Keyboom, if we have that core, if they can grow together, we know Soto going to be fine. We worried about them other prospects. And then we still got Kay Cavalli, the sooner. You know I'm a terrible OU baseball fan. When I didn't even know Kay Cavalli was a sooner until this week. 
That's crazy. I didn't even know he was a Sooner till this past week. That's crazy. Shows you how much I watch OU baseball. But I'm rooting for him to get called up to the majors as soon as possible. Whenever whenever he's ready, man, bring him up. But seriously, man, we can keep this core together and they can grow and get better. I think we'll be okay. Because, man, listen, man, the Braves, these guys ain't going to be around forever. Freddie, Freddie Freeman ain't going to be around forever. You you got to have more than Albies and Acuna. And Acuna. These guys ain't going to be around forever. The Phillies. These guys ain't going to be around forever. But it's just going to be the Bryce Harper show very soon. They're not going to be around forever. And they still don't have no real good pitching. The Mets, I mean, come on. Come on, trash. Trash. But yet they're better than us for right now. I'm not worried. Bro, we can catch these guys. If these young players we got can develop properly and we get some key free agents in here, we'll be back competing in no time because I don't believe in those three teams ahead of us and I definitely don't believe in the Marlins, who probably caught us by now, but it doesn't matter. They ain't that good. How do you take? How do you make the playoffs in 2020 and then step back? Trash. But I'm telling you, we'll be back. We'll be back, but it's frustrating. I gotta just, I gotta just keep in mind of the bigger picture. And the Nationals, honestly, are an example of one of the goat level principles. Just take that out. If you want to keep winning, just take that L. You say it don't make sense, but yet it makes great sense. The process takes time. You just got no patience. That's that's the hook of my song, Just Take That L. At least most of the hook. Eventually, I'll record it and put that out. I just got to quit BS and, and get in the studio. But anyway, just take that L. Because it's the losses that provide lessons. That'll make you a legend. So we just keep taking them L's. But our young players, our young cores, they're learning how to play in the big leagues. They're learning how to win in the big leagues. They're learning what it takes, you know, to to be on that level, to, to win in this level. So even if it takes them the rest of this year, maybe next year, they're getting that experience. They're getting better so we can be back to being a playoff team as early as next year and hopefully back in the World Series within the next three to five years. Just take that L. If you want to keep winning, just take that L. We've been through this before. We took all them L's when the Nationals came back, you know, to D.C. from 2005 to 2012, took all them L's. Then we became a perennial playoff team from 2012 to pretty much now outside of two years. And it's the same thing. So now we're back in this situation again. It happens. But we got it. We'll be back. Just take that L, baby. Just take that L. All right. NFL preseason overhype. I'm just looking at these football fans like, y'all down bad. Yeah, that brother's starving. (laughs) Getting all hype over the preseason. Week one of the preseason at that. Man, I know y'all miss football, but jeez. 
just keep in mind of what you're watching. We're we're mad close to throwing XFL jerseys on these guys. Like for real. <laughs> like that's that's the level of football y'all watching for most of the game. I'm just saying. But I know you see the colors and the helmets and you just get hyped. You know, football is back. Y'all are starving. Like, I'm just like, man, whatever. I can wait till Cowboys and Bucks. Now that's something to get hyped about. My mom got all excited for, for uh Redskins Patriots or, or football team Patriots. Uh freaking JP Finley and B. Mitch out here playing Christmas music because they think a Washington football and Patriots is, is Christmas time in August. I'm like, come on. It's not that nice. It's not that serious. The Eagles played the Steelers. It was all right, man. It was okay. I mean, after Quez Watkins touchdown, I mean, you watch a little bit of the Wayne Haskins, see how he did. I mean, he did okay. I mean, he, he had that touchdown. That was nice. It's a lot of overreaction. It's a lot of overreaction of whatever Justin Fields did and Zach Wilson. Uh, Trey Lance threw a bomb and everybody lost their minds. I'm like, man, let's see what happens during a regular season. I'll probably watch a little bit here and there, but come on. We got to keep in mind of the quality. You don't got to starve. I promise you. I promise you. All our regular season football with betting and Fantasy football, it's coming. I promise. It's not. It doesn't. Like it. It'll be here soon. It'll be here before you know it. Just don't go all crazy over preseason football. I'm just saying. But I did enjoy. I did enjoy. Ramondre Stevenson canceling the sitcom, like a TV network. He had not one. But two touchdown runs. And the second touchdown run was a 92-yard run, and I was dying laughing. I was like, the Washington sitcom is at it again, and it's the first game of the preseason. Wow. Y'all got all that hype. Man, y'all thought Steven Montez was going to bring y'all back. Tied the game and everything, just for the two-point conversion not to count, and then you give up a 92-yard run to my man Mondre. From OU, latest latest to come out of the running back U pipeline. He killed you. He bodied you. And I'm dying laughing. I know it doesn't really mean much, and we don't even know if Ramondre Stevenson is going to start. It's good to see a Sooner doing well. And it's very entertaining to, to watch the sitcom choke like that in a meaningless preseason game but both teams will be fine um both teams will be fine Washington sitcom as much as I laugh at them they'll be fine they they got a lot of veterans on their team they got a legit defense Chase Young got a sack fumble already I'm like this guy man I'm amazed at what Chase Young can do he is incredible he's a physical specimen and he's getting better and I love his energy I love his confidence He's going to be a beast. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But the team as a whole is is overrated. But they're not they're not going to be trash. I'm not 
I'm not going to. I can't hate that much. They're, they're not going to be trash. They're going to be decent. But let's calm down on the division talk. Let's calm down on them being a legit contender in the NFC. Some people realize this and they are, they check themselves with all the Washington football sitcom praise. And some don't. Some think, you know, their defense is just unstoppable and they're the 2000 Ravens, but they are not. But I enjoyed that ending of the Washington sitcom Patriots game. It was so fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> man, what was that? <laughs> oh man, I, I think both both teams would be fine though, man. I, I can't I can't read too much into it. Uh let's see, the Field of Dreams game. Speaking of the Yankees and White Sox, it is on now. I'm watching that game now. It's, it's a Sunday. Hey, Cesar Hernandez, he's with the Phillies. Um, yeah. So they're playing now, and the Yankees are winning. But I think it was Thursday, maybe Friday. No, it was Thursday. Thursday, they played a game in some random town in Iowa where they shot the movie Field of Dreams, and there are a whole documentary about it and everything. I haven't seen the movie. Of course, I know the saying, build it and they will come. That's such a famous movie quote. It's not even funny. Um, The game itself was dope. I mostly watched the second half of it. For most of the second half of it, the Yankees, no, the, the White Sox had complete control. They were up 7-4. They were shutting down the Yankees. But then all of a sudden, within the last two innings, or maybe the last inning, like Aaron Judge hit a two-run homer. Then this was this was when it really got interesting. Two outs, two outs, top of the ninth. It looked like the White Sox are going to run away with this. Giancarlo Stanton hits a two-run homer, and it was – and it was like, oh, this is classic Giancarlo. This is the Giancarlo Stanton that I saw his last year in Miami when it seemed like he hit a home run every other day. And he definitely hit a home run every time he came to Nass Park. Like, he he brought it back. He, he rewound the clock with that hit. And I was like, okay, maybe the Yankees, maybe the Yankees are going to walk away with this. What a comeback. But then Tim Anderson, late in the midnight hour. Tim Anderson turned it around with a two-run homer for himself. And the White Sox win. They walked off. Fireworks. Crowd going crazy. Now that is what we all wanted. A special game like that in a cornfields in the field of dreams in Iowa. That game was everything we could have ever asked for. And as a sports fan, I won, we won. So that's why they're bringing it back next year. As soon as that home run happened, I was like, they got to have this game next year. They got to. You can you got to have an encore. That was amazing. And the ratings are going to be insane next year. Wow, man. What a game. What a finish. One of the games of the year in baseball. 
it might be the game of the year. Unbelievable, man. Shout out to MLB for that production. And shout out to the teams for showing up and playing such an amazing game. And they had the they had the uniforms from the movie and everything, bro. That joint was vicious. The the whole grass scoreboard and man, I would love to go, but it's probably more expensive than the Bucks Patriots. It's probably more expensive than OU Texas. It's probably more expensive than the Super Bowl. Okay, maybe I shouldn't go that far. But seriously, it probably, that stands, those stands were full. So it's probably a lot of people that wanted to go to that game. But it was great, man. It was a great watch. Great TV. Y'all really missed out watching preseason football. But hey, 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 that to each their own, to each their own. Not everyone like baseball. But man, y'all missed out. All right, man. One last thing before I get to the hypothetical game of the episode. I must say. With the GOAT level principles, one thing that's more GOAT level than anything, one of the most GOAT level thing ever, is body positivity. And I was thinking about it because in 2018, uh, I GOAT level sponsored a podcast. I, how do I forget the name of this guy? dang podcast <laughs> oh man how did i forget the name of this dang podcast it's gonna come to me i promise it's gonna oh yeah the masterpiece movement pro uh podcast masterpiece movement it probably wasn't even called that but seriously though man uh it was a podcast by deanna bomb chica i guess that's her nickname I don't even know. Her last name's Italian. Bro, I can't even, like, I probably could pronounce it, but it, it escapes me right now. Basically, Diana and Carmen. Two, you know, BBWs. So, basically, they had a prog- they had a podcast talking about body positivity. They had guests and everything. Uh, they had a friend named Julie that came on the podcast. She, she was... She was another uh, BBW type. But, you know, I sponsored them for like a month or two. But I think I made a video venting my, venting my frustration of how it didn't work out like I had hoped. Like, no one bought any shirts. No one followed my page. None of that. So, it was kind of selfish, though. But I thought my main point of that frustration video was like they don't really align with my brand I'm, this is not really a target audience and you know my brand really wasn't targeted for them it's kind of a sports type brand but then again but if you think about the core of goat level it's uh it's self-motivation it's it's self-motivation it's kind of spiritual. Spiritual is mental. And, you know, um, what they stand for, which are body being a masterpiece, that's their main slogan. Uh, Deanna and Carmen, 
they're always posting their bodies. Big girls that usually ridicule by society. They post their bodies no matter what people think. And I was just thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. That does align with my brand. They feel like they're the greatest of all time no matter what. Their body is the greatest no matter what. It's a masterpiece no matter what. They just take that L because no matter what anybody thinks, no matter what negativity they get because of their bodies, they're still going to post it. And people are going to be inspired by that. So they uh they attack fear. Like they, you know what I'm saying? They, I don't know. They probably weren't always happy with their bodies, but they always, like, they push through that anyway inside to put their body on display and um, inspire others to do so too. Just basically, they just feel like they're the greatest their body is the greatest. It doesn't matter what you guys think. Their body is the greatest. I wish I could adopt that, but then I don't know. I just can't yet. I haven't reached that level of just not caring what anybody thinks. <laughs> I haven't reached that level yet. But you know, I'm working on it. You know, I I'm working on it. I, I am the greatest of all time. But some things. I still need to work on, and and that's it. And that's it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's that's one of them. Being able to do things like like show off my body, even though I have no abs and have a big gut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Being able to do that, being able to have that type of confidence. Yeah, self-confidence is a big part of go level. And you know what I'm saying? If I'm a if I'm gonna push this brand, I gotta, you know, start practicing what I'm preaching. And you know, that's one of the things. Having enough enough self-confidence to do that. If you're the grace of all time, you're on the grace of all time level, you gotta have that self-confidence to do whatever and be whatever. And you you the greatest no matter what. And, you know, that's what I learned from them once I reflected on their message and what they do. So, yeah, okay. So, if you want to follow Eat eat the Cake 2, Eat the Cake 2, like T-O-O, you follow her. She's a good follow. I think it's Deanna Bomchika. I think that's her name. And then the Masterpiece Movement, follow them. All on Instagram. I think that's it. All right. I kind of rambled. Enough of this. But you already know. It's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. The hypothetical game of the episode. This week is the 2008 Georgia Bulldogs versus the 2017 Oklahoma Sooners. This is a spinoff from last week's hypothetical game of the episode, which I don't know why I didn't have the, the energy to be hyped for that. 
But it was a good one. It was a good one. It was won by the 2017 Browns. Uh, it was two winless teams, two 0-16 teams. And the Browns came up on top. So now it's a game between their saviors, Baker Mayfield and Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was on the 2008 Georgia Bulldogs with Sean Moreno and Julio Jones. I didn't even know Julio Jones on that team. Damn. No, it wasn't Julio Jones. It was A.J. Green. I even know. I forgot he was on that team. Bro, that team was fire. But they lost three games. Oklahoma Sooners, however, they are. Uh, they lost two games. I think they were like 12-2. and two. They lost to Iowa State, which I don't understand. I never understood that. And they lost to Georgia in a thriller overtime game, which Sooner fans to this day, to this day, still believes they should have not only won, but won the whole thing. But they had no defense and decided to squib kick going into halftime up 17. Big time Sooner football fans, well, most Sooner football fans, are still not cool about that. They're still hurting about it. But here we go. But here's a rematch right now. But this time is with the 018. And uh, here we go. We want to start off with with just the scoring. So in the first, so in the first quarter, surprise, uh, 2008 Georgia Bulldogs on the board first, three nothing. And after a, after a stop by Georgia, Muhammad Massaqua, who made the NFL also, four-yard pass from Matt Stafford. See, but I did tell you that that 2017 team, they had no defense now. Now, I did say that. They're the favorites in that game, but they had no defense. Cool. So it is 10-0 2008 Georgia Bulldogs. But right before the first quarter ended, 2.25 to go, Baker Mayfield hits Mikel Jones for 10 yards. And it's 10-7 Oklahoma Sooners. So then Rodney Anderson, at the beginning of the second quarter, after an OU stop, Rodney Anderson, 29-yard pass from Baker Mayfield. He caught a screen. And made some defenders miss. He scored and it's 14-10. Oklahoma Sooners on top for the first time. Blair Walsh from Georgia gets a field goal uh, later on. And it's 14-13 OU. Rodney Anderson again with a 33-yard touchdown. And it's 21-13. A lot of scoring so far. But of course, this is 2017 OU, of course. So, but then No. Sean Moreno answers back after a long drive of their own. He answers back with a two-yard touchdown, 21-20. Oklahoma Sooners. But then Baker Mayfield, deep post, CeeDee Lamb, the Dallas Cowboy, the future Dallas Cowboy, 44-yard pass from Baker Mayfield, 28-20. And I interrupt this program to tell you that the New York Yankees just hit a home run. And it's 5-1 Yankees. 
I don't think the Sox are coming back from this one. I think this is an L. But back to back to the regularly scheduled programming. Cool. So now we're last two minutes, last two minutes of the second quarter, and that Oklahoma defense gives up another touchdown, second of the day for Massimqua from Matt Stafford. That is also Matt Stafford's second touchdown of the day, and that is, so now it's 28-27, 2008 Georgia takes the lead. Actually, no, 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 they're still down one, they're down one. They kick the extra point. They're down one. Okay. So now they did take the lead at the end of the half after getting the ball back. 13 seconds to go. They kick a field goal to go up two going into halftime. At halftime, it is 30 to 28, 2008, Georgia. And now in the third quarter, things kind of slow down. Things kind of slow down a bit. But no Sean Moreno gets a one-yard pass from Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's third touchdown of the game. And now it's 37-28, 2008 Georgia with the upset so far. Um, so then later in the quarter, Austin Seibert with a 45-yard field goal makes it 37-31. But once again, no Sean Moreno. His... Let me count. One, two, three. Third touchdown of the game. His third touchdown of the game. And it's 44-31, 2008 Georgia. I cannot believe this is happening. But now we go into the fourth quarter with Georgia, 2008 Georgia, up 13. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it looks like OU went three and out coming out of the fourth quarter. And then another impressive drive by Georgia. And that ends in a field goal. And it's 47-31. But finally, OU wakes up 9-26 in the game. Left in the game. And they're down 16. They finally wake up. They go on a long long drive. Headlined by a 40-yard gain from Jeff Bidette, Baker Mayfield, the Jeff Bidette, the speedster that transferred from Kentucky. He had a 40-yard game. And that drive was ended on a 4th and 7 at the 15, where Baker Mayfield passed to Rodney Anderson, who scored for a 15-yard touchdown. And it is 47-37 after a missed two-point conversion. So three and out for Georgia. Three and out for Georgia. So OU back on it. 429 to go. Baker Mayfield, uh, two-yard run, 13-yard run. Big. He gets to the 50. And then he makes another big pass to Jeff Bidette. It's 405 to go. They call timeout. And then they end up scoring. Baker Mayfield passed the Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown with a touchdown. And it is now 47-44 with the extra point. And now we got a game. All Georgia has to do is hold on to the ball and end it. 321 to go. And they go three and out. So now it is 210 to go in the game. 210 to go in the game. Oklahoma down three. Baker Mayfield 
back on the field. I mean, say it like that, but you already know. So here we go. Baker Mayfield leading them down the field from their own 28. So then here's a big play. Baker Mayfield, fourth and nine, completed the CD lane. And he fumbled the ball. At the Georgia 44, he fumbled the ball. It bounces around, but Oklahoma jumps on it. Game-saving fumble recovery. Thank God. And then after a few plays, including a big Rodney Anderson draw play to the left for 16 yards, Rodney Anderson punches it in. No, no, he don't. He gets to the seven with three seconds to go. He actually got stopped. But Austin Cyber, with three seconds to go, kicks the ball right down the middle, and we're going to overtime, 47-47. OU and Georgia are tied. So here we go. Here we go. What a game we have so far. Uh, Georgia. So Georgia, first possession of overtime. They get the ball first. And they, from the 25, because, you you know, you start at the opponent's 25 in overtime. Four plays in the end zone. Stafford to A.J. Green. Touchdown. Extra point. 54-47. Georgia. But 2017 OU comes right back. Mayfield to Andrews for 18 yards. Uh, Rodney Anderson with another big run. And then he catches a pass at the one-yard line for a touchdown. Extra point, 54-54. So, college overtime. Oklahoma keeps the ball. Here we go. They come back. Once again, Mark Andrews, another big catch for 12 yards. And then another big catch, this time for a touchdown. 13 yards. Mark Andrews, third catch of overtime. And now OU is up 60 to 54 with the extra point. That's 61. So now here we go. Georgia. Can they tie it up? No Sean Marino, five yards. Then he gets two yards. Then Stafford chase out of the pocket. The OU defense comes up big as Stafford throws it away, but it's intentional grounding. No one was in the area. So now it's 4th and 13 at the 28. Stafford throws it to Massimqua. He mosses two people, but he can't come down with it. Game is over. 2017 OU wins. And it looks like the Browns and the Sooner sweep. Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They win both hypothetical game of the episodes. So just like that, it was a good one. It was another good one. What a game. I wasn't expecting it to be that close. Thought 2017 OU was going to blow them out. But then I had to realize that 2017 OU has zero defense. They had zero defense in this game. and But they hold on. They made the defensive play of the game, forcing the intentional grounding, with help, which helped them win the game. 61-54, double overtime. But it's just it's just crazy. Because they gave up 197 yards rushing. But Georgia gave up 198. 
passing yards. OU had 463. Georgia had 330. Man. No Sean Moreno. 25 carries, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Caleb King. Who? Nine carries, 75 yards. No touchdown. Muhammad Massaqua. Five catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Green, five catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Marquise Brown, five catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Mark Andrews, the star of overtime, six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. The quarterbacks. Oh, my God. Baker Mayfield, 28, 28 for 42. 463 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. That is insane. But Matt Stafford was good too. 27 for 38, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Amazing game. And that is a hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.